Recording. Okay. Thank you for being here, ladies. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump right in because um, I I really don't have any idea how long my message is today because, well, we'll just jump right in. Father, I just thank you so much for these ladies. Thank you for this 10 o'clock group. I just love to see these women coming every week and and being flexible to change times. And, Father, we just know that um, when two or more are gathered among us, Together you are among us. You promise us that in your word. So we thank you ahead of time that that's true. And I'm just grateful that you came to speak to us today. There's something that we need to hear from you. Uh, You want to remind us of how good you are and how much you love us. You don't leave us as orphans, Father, but your presence is always with us. And in that, oh, I find such great hope. And so I pray that you would just speak to us, Holy Spirit, in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, girls, so we are in week three of hope. We're halfway through. And what I want to do is I want to um, kind of remind us of how we've defined hope, where we've come from, and where we're going. Um, And I want to jump right in because I don't want to run out of time today. But I want to remind you that our verse that we have used to anchor us for this semester comes from Hebrews 6.19. And it says, this hope, And the hope, we'll see it, I'll read another verse in a second, is we're referring to Christ. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it leads us through the curtain into the inner sanctuary of God. Praise God, we need that inner sanctuary. So in our world, in in this study, the way we're defining hope is not the way the world defines hope. The way the world defines hope is a, a desired outcome. And so I'm hoping for something to change. I'm hoping for something to happen. I'm hoping for something to go away. I'm hoping for something to get healed or someone to get healed. I'm hoping for a dream to become reality. And so typically in our world, the way even the way Webster defines hope is it's a it's a desired outcome that you're looking forward to. It's it's you're hoping that something happens. And in biblical terms, that's not the definition of hope. The definition of hope is found in 1 Timothy 1. One, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy was like his little brother. Paul loved Timothy. Paul took Timothy under his wing and kind of helped mentor him in the faith. And he writes a letter to him and he says this, Paul, he's defining himself, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope? So who is our hope? Christ is our hope. And so our hope is not a desired outcome. Our hope is an anchor for our souls, Christ himself. So as I walk through life, my hope, I'm banking, I'm taking to the bank Christ Jesus. I'm not taking to the bank what I hope he does for me, even though we're going to look at some promises that we have in him. But at the end of the day, I'm banking on him. His character, his sacrifice on the cross for me, his forgiveness of my sin, his uh, resurrected life that has defeated death that's getting me to heaven. I'm banking on Jesus himself. So my hope is found in a person, Jesus Christ. It's not found in a desired outcome. Do you see the difference? It's a big, big difference. Because oftentimes what we do is we function in this world with the world's definition of hope and we ask Christ to make that happen. Does that make sense? And so I have a desired outcome. I, want, I wanted my daughter to be healed from heart surgery by just a touch and she didn't even have to face a knife. And so that's my desired outcome and I'm asking God to do that. But when he didn't do that, 
If I'm not anchored in Him, then I'm totally derailed and despairing. When the healing doesn't happen, when the marriage does in fact fail, when the child doesn't come back home when he should or she should, when the job is lost, when the dream doesn't come to reality, if that's what I'm banking on happening for my hope to be okay, and I've, I've, sh I've shot up lots of arrow prayers asking God to bless it, but when that doesn't happen, if I'm not anchored in Christ, I am despairing, and I have no hope, and I'm wondering where God is and why He's not come through for me, and I don't know if He's trustworthy, and I'm qu questioning if He's good. Now, here's the thing I want to be really, really clear Throughout my life, I've been anchored in Christ since I was eight years old. There have been many times when life has thrown lots of curveballs and I've been incredibly disappointed and my desired outcome did not go the way I wanted it to go. And it has done this to my faith. And it's caused me to question and go, Lord, where are you? Lord, how could you? But the beauty of being anchored in Christ, like we talked about last week, if you are in Christ, meaning if you have entered into a relationship with Him, that anchor holds me. And so the anchor holds when life is chaotic and I return to a place of hope because He carries me along with Him. He's in my boat. He carries me along. And so it's totally normal and okay to have doubts. It's totally normal to go, God, why? To question him, so don't for one minute hear me say that you can't have those questions, and you will. You will, but you can have those questions, you can grieve, you can um, have lots of doubt, and you can bring that all to him and allow him to restore you back to a place of hope and health and trustworthiness in him and from him, and you don't derail but if you're not anchored in Christ and everything is banking on that thing happening and it doesn't and you've never really entered into a relationship with Him or you've never pressed into Him in the hard times and you've never experienced Him in your boat, boy, you will, you, you'll derail. I've seen, I've seen a lot of men and women leave the faith. My husband and I have been in ministry for a lot of years and um, we've had a lot of wounding just from Christians. <laughs> you don't have to be in ministry. We, we tend to, sometimes it's, uh, it can be really difficult. And a pastor's wife was asking me not long ago, she said, Laura, I see so many men and women in ministry that get hurt and they just get hardened and they kind of walk away. How have you stayed soft and how has your relationship with God flourished? And I was like, because he's my anchor. Because in those stormy times, listen, I've cried out to him, and sometimes it's not been pretty. Most times it's not been pretty. But I've always found that the anchor holds. The anchor holds. I'm clinging to it, but there's lots of times, like I said last week, there's lots of times when I'm letting go and I'm questioning and I'm freaking out and I'm not even sure what way is up. But the anchor holds. He never lets go of me. And so when you get in front of him and when you allow yourself to come to him with all of that angst and all of that questioning and all of that bewilderment, then you give him space to move and you give him space to speak and you give him space to heal and restore. There will be scars that I carry for the rest of my life because of life itself. But there's a healing that's taken place 
because I have an anchor that holds, and that is my hope. That is our hope. And so that's what I want to make sure that we are clear on that as we move forward. Um, Christ is our hope, and from Christ we have a lot of promises in Scripture. And I'm going to look at four over the last four weeks of our study. Um, We have the promise of His presence. I think this is on your listening guide. We have the promise of His power. We have the promise of His purpose. We have a purpose in Him. And we have a promised future, life with Him in eternity. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the promised presence that we receive from God. I want to read a passage in Matthew as we move into um, the lesson today. In, in Matthew 28, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now, this is after he has come back. This is after he's been risen from the grave, and he's commissioning them. And he's, he's commissioning them, and he says, Jesus came and told his disciples, listen, I've been given authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says this, he says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now this is what I want you to see at the end of verse 20. Jesus says this, And be sure of this, be certain of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, listen, We're going to talk about purpose in the weeks to come. He's telling them what their purpose is. Go. Go make disciples. Talk about me. Tell everyone what you've understood. Tell them about your relationship with me. Talk about me. Go make disciples. But be sure of this, that I am with you always. I'm not just with you when you're on your best behavior. I'm not just with you when you come to Bible study. I'm with you when? Always. Always. Always, even to the end of the age. But here's the thing about this, and I'm sure the disciples, and I know they were questioning this too, is like, well, what do you mean you're with us always? You're about to leave us. And so what does that mean for you and me on this earth, physically walking around? Because this is for us too. So when Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, well, what does that mean? Because I'm looking over and I don't see you. So, so, so what does that mean for us? And I'm going to talk about that today. But let me ask you this question. If you could choose, if, you, if someone gave you the choice to live your life on this earth with Jesus right beside you every single day in his physical form, Jesus is right beside you walking with you through this life every single day, or you had the choice of the Holy Spirit living inside you, Every single day, which would you choose? Let's be honest. Jesus by my side is what most people would answer. That's certainly what the disciples answered. And here's what's interesting is that God, before we had time to answer, (laughs) he uh, answered it for us. And he says this, and I'm going to skip down and read this verse and then we'll come back up. He says um, in John, let me make sure I get get to it right. Okay, in John, in the book of John, and I think we're in chapter 15, but I just want to read this in verse 7. It says, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For I don't, if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, listen, I know 
in our flesh, we want him with us all the time. Because I want to dialogue with him. The way I learn is flesh on flesh. So I've always had a mentor in my life. I'm always rubbing up against somebody. I'm always saying, okay, explain this to me. I, for me, it's not helpful for me to go read a book about it. I need to dialogue with someone. So Dwight Edwards is an incredible mentor for me. I have access to a living commentary. And so... Typically, if I'm teaching, I'm, I'm bumping up against a passage. I want to make sure I'm handling the scripture correctly. I'll call him. And I'm like, here's where I'm going with this. Either just help me out. And so he teaches me so much. That's the way I learn. And so for me to have Jesus with me all the time and go, okay, what do you think about that? Well, why, aren't, why didn't you heal this person? Well, I, I would love that. I would love that. But Jesus knows what's best for me, and he knows what's best for you, and he knew what was best for the disciples. And he said, it is to your advantage, not just his, because he's going to be with the Father. So that's awesome. But he's saying, but it's to your advantage that I go away, because when I do, I'm going to send a helper. Who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in just a second. But he's saying, I'm going to send a helper for you. Now, what's interesting is if you think of someone that you love dearly that um, has died or is dying, it's never to my advantage that, they're, that they die, a loved one. For instance, if, if my best friend, her grandmother just died two days ago, and she was 94 but so dearly loved. And it was to her advantage that she died. She'd been struggling with cancer. She was having trouble breathing, and she's at peace now. So it was to Mimi's advantage to die because she's with heaven now. But my best friend Jamie and, and her dad, it's not to their advantage. They miss her. They're glad she's at peace, but they miss her. So, so for Jesus to say, no, it is to your advantage too that I go away, just sounds crazy to me. But he knows what I don't know. Because he says, if I don't go away, I can't send the helper. But if I go away, I'm sending a helper. And you're going to be able to do things through me that you couldn't do if I'm just beside you. Because, see, when you enter into a relationship with Christ and you receive forgiveness of your sins, I mentioned this last week, the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside you. The spirit of the living God comes in to dwell in you. You now become the temple of God. In the Old Testament, there was always a physical temple that housed the presence of God. And now God says that we are the temple of God. And so he indwells us. And so this is the thing. When Jesus decided, when he's going back to heaven and he sends the helper, which I love that, that his description is the helper, he knows that that's going to be to my advantage. And let me read a, a few things that he says about this. He says, in, we're in John 14, we're going to be in John 15, we're going to be in John 16. So in, in John 14, starting at verse 16, he says, Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Forever. Now, this is what's interesting. It says, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Okay, so it's a little bit of a seminary class today. He will be with you and he will be in you. This is so beautiful. So let me, let me translate. In the Greek, the word helper means parakletos. I'm not very good at my Greek. 
But it says this means a person summoned to one's aid and may refer to an advisor, a legal defender, a mediator, or an intercessor. That, that just about covers everything I need. A protector, an advocate is also a word that's been used for the Holy Spirit. A counselor is another word that's been used. But that's what it means. It means someone, and I love that, somebody, somebody that's been summoned to my aid. And it says, uh, another commentary says this about it in Scripture. It says, another helper. The word another in the ancient Greek word is Alan. It's spelled Allen, but it says it's, it means another of the same kind, not another of a different kind. Another of the same kind, meaning we're referring to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Okay, now this is a, that's a whole nother lesson, the Trinity. So I'm not going to go there today, but I just need you to understand that God is in three forms, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when the uh, Son goes back, ascends back up to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God where he is now, he's sending another helper that is different but of the same kind. God, same kind, God, but different form, Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Are, you, are we tracking? It's a little bit difficult. So he's going to abide with you, and he will abide in you. That's why when we come to Bible study, we experience the Holy Spirit with us. We experience his presence. That's how you're able to feel like God's speaking to you, and you're able to feel like God's speaking to you. And then together you have conversations that you feel like are God-ordained because we're experiencing God with us, but because aha light bulbs are going off in your head proves that God is in you, right? So he's with us, around us, and he's also in us. In us. In verse 18, he says, Jesus says this. He says, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I will, I live, I, because I live, you will live also. Now, Jesus is speaking um, about when he leaves and goes back, he will come back one day. But he also means I'll come to you in the form of the Holy Spirit, in the form of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25 he says, these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So don't let your heart be troubled and don't let your heart be fearful. This is what's so beautiful. Is he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. What does an orphan feel? Alone and abandoned, right? An orphan feels alone and abandoned. He said, I've not left you as orphans. I'm going to send you a helper. Praise God, I need a helper. Because here's the thing. Once I pay, place my trust in Christ, I've still got the rest of this life to live on earth. And I can't do it on my own. And he knows that. So he knows I need a helper for me to walk through life. I also need a helper to live out the calling that he's placed on my life. And we'll see that next week. But I need a helper to, to navigate through this life. Listen, the pressure is off when it comes to performance. 
God has not saved you from your sin and then said, now be a really good Christian. Work really, really, really hard. Because I fall flat on my face, not every day, every five minutes. I either doubt or I act like an idiot or I have all sorts of questions. I'm confused. It doesn't make sense. I don't know what to do. Life feels foggy. I don't have the wisdom I need to make the right decision to parent. I don't have the wisdom I need financially. I don't have the wisdom to know what to do next half the time. And God is saying, I've not left you as an orphan, Laura. I know. I know that about you. So I'm going to send a helper summoned to your aid, the Holy Spirit, that will be with you and will be in you. And you will never be alone. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's the good news. Here's where we find hope, is that I am never alone. I am never alone ever, ever alone. Ever. Ever, ever, ever alone. Do I feel alone? There's lots of times I feel alone. What is the truth? I am never, ever alone. God's presence is always with me. Think of yourself as the boat and Jesus, the spirit of the living Christ is in your boat. He's in you if you're in Christ. That's a deep breath. That is a deep breath. So I never, ever have to go. So oftentimes, have you ever been in a situation and you don't know how to handle it? You don't know what to do next. You don't know how to make sense of it. You don't know the next place to turn. You don't know the right thing. And you're just like, oh, this is so hard. This feels out of control. This is difficult. And you feel alone and you start asking God, Lord, give me wisdom and and all and and. And those are good prayers. But if you're coming from the place of you're trying to grab him from out here and get him in here and get him to help you, you're treating your life and you're treating the Lord as if he's right beside you and not inside you. And so every scripture is full. Just read Ephesians. Scripture is full of the gifts that we've been given in Christ Jesus. We have been given everything Christ had when he was on this earth. We have the power to do anything God asks us to do. We have the wisdom of God to handle life situations. Oftentimes, we just don't know that. It doesn't make it less true. We just don't know that yet because you don't, you're not taught about the Holy Spirit that much. And God is saying, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to be in you. And I'm going to be in you. And then he tells us the role of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about that. And I'm going to give you some examples. And then we will close because I don't want to go over today. He says this. He says, these things I've spoken to you. Verse 25 of John 14. Let's skip to verse 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. Circle that. So what's he going to do? He's going to teach me all things, and he's going to bring to my remembrance all that I've said to you. He's going to teach me all things. This is what's amazing, is the way the Holy Spirit teaches. When my husband and I started dating, I was always filling him with compliments. I would always say, oh, you look so cute today. Oh, I just, I love what you have. Oh, you did such a great job doing that, blah, blah, blah. And every time I would say it, it just felt like it fell flat. It, it, it wasn't ministering to him like it would have ministered to me. I'm just like, dude, I just gave you a great compliment. Receive that. Light up. Get excited. And then there were times when we were dating and 
I remember one time specifically, he um, bought, he brought me a bag of chips, and they were my favorite bag of chips. He had bought them with a Diet Coke, and it was like my two favorite things. <laughs> and, and I was excited, and I whipped it open, and I started eating it, but it wasn't like I just lit up. And he's like, what the, what, what? 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 I needed a stronger reaction than that. And what we realized through some good solid counseling is that our love languages are different. My love language is words of affirmation. But not like, I mean, I'll take it, you look cute all day long. But in, with Jason in particular, nothing ministers to me more than when he builds into me words of life. When he says, this is what I see in you. This is the way you parent specifically that I love. This is the way you have ministered to me, Laura. This is how I see you as a woman of God. When he, for Christmas, we've, we've really gotten it down to just manageable size with us. It's like, all I really want from you is a good letter. A good letter of just breathing into my life. I, Jason can speak truth into me like no other. But he's had to learn that. Because I just, I just don't really need a good sweater from you. I'm going to go buy that myself. He's going to give me one. I'm going to take it back because it's not the right one. But for Jason, what I've realized is when he comes home and I've got a sandwich, a sandwich in particular, his favorite meal, ready for him, it's like, it's just, he, he's brought to tears practically. So Jason's love language is acts of service. And so, you know, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. If you're married, you might want to pick that up. And so what we've learned about each other is that, that his heart receives love. His language is different than mine. And here's what's beautiful is the Holy Spirit, the Lord crafted him that way, and the Lord crafted me this way. And so this is what I love about the Lord is that he loves me and he speaks to me in my own language. And he loves Jason and he speaks to Jason in Jason's language. Now he speaks just through the word of God, but those little kisses of God come to me all the time in, in my own heart language, if that makes sense. I'll give you an example. When I began to walk, to really walk with the Lord, he began to teach me about myself. Because I walked into my relationship with the Lord, even though I was young, I walked in with some baggage about how I saw myself. I didn't see myself the way he saw me. See, the way I saw myself was what I'd been told growing up. And let me tell you, I'm sure I'd been told a lot of great things, but just like Pretty Woman said, the bad stuff is easier to believe. And so any time I heard something that was negative, I would just grab onto that. And that became my identity in which I lived all too often. And as I began to grow in the Lord, he began to teach me, no, this is who you are. This is, and it's not just you're a daughter of the king. Well, that's great. That's a position. But he began to teach me specifically, this is how I've wired you. This is who you are. This is how I've crafted you. See, I've always been a strong personality because God has crafted me to do what I'm doing today. But when you're in high school, that can be obnoxious. And so, so I didn't know that was a good thing. I always tried to downplay it to downplay. And God began to teach me, no, this is how I've wired you. And he did it through Psalm 139. Psalm 139, he says, I've, I've knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days have been ordained for you before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God, before I can't even, they outnumber the sands of the sea. I can't even take it in. And so God began to teach me through the Holy Spirit how he saw me. And it just began to free me up, and I began to walk in the calling that he has for me because I'm secure. I'm secure. 
And it's not that I don't battle self-esteem issues. I will till the day I die. But I don't go there very long. And so God began to teach me through the Holy Spirit. That's what it means, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the aid, begins to teach you what you need to know about yourself and about Him. The second role in verse 26, it says, When the Helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me, and you'll testify also because you've been with me from the beginning. He will testify about me. What does that word testify mean? It basically means to vouch for, to vouch for, to bear witness to. So the Holy Spirit will testify about me, will testify about me. Um, there's, there's lots of different examples I can give about the Lord testifying, but let me give you an example of how you kind of know. When you're in Bible study and we're opening God's Word together and I'm talking about Jesus and I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the truths of God, and something in you is just clicking with that. And you're like, yes, that's right. I don't understand it all, but I know this is right. That's why you keep coming back. It's not because I'm funny. It's not because the coffee is so good. It's because the Holy Spirit is testifying. This is true. This is true. This is true. Listen, we're never going to have all the answers until we are face-to-face -face with Him. But on this earth, He will testify of Himself. In my own spirit. The spirit of God inside of me reminds me, this is true, Lauren. This is true. This is true. At the same time, when something's not true, I get a check in my spirit. And I've learned over the years to heed that and do beep, 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 even though I may not understand why yet. Uh, let me give you an example with my kids. Um, I have prayed from the time they were, we started needing babysitters. That God would always, I mean, not just with babysitters, but with anything, that God would notify me somehow if something were amiss. I'm going to really need that when they're teenagers. But anytime we have a new babysitter, I always pray. I don't pray over the sweet kid, you know, and scare them yet. But I'm praying. God, um, just, in, whatever. We have, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But I'm always asking God to give me a sense. If I need to know, if I need to be tuned into something, I remind him, I'm a sheep, you're the shepherd. And so you've got to tell me in a way that I understand. If I need to know something with my kid, I'm trusting you, God, to tell me. Don't let me be caught off guard. Lord, protect them and help me protect them. So we had a babysitter one time, and it was with my, um, my kids. This was probably four or five years ago. And... Um, it was my two kids and my niece and nephew, so four of them together. And it was interesting because they were at my sister's house. The sitter came, so I didn't meet her ahead of time. But I came at the end, and when she left, I was like, oh, I have a weird, 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 weird thing about this one. And sure enough, it, it was not good. There was nothing that was damaging, but she was just not... She was just not appropriate. She had TV channels on that shouldn't be on. She had stuff on her phone that my kids didn't need a part of. And we discovered that in a way that only the Holy Spirit could have done. And I won't go into the detail, but I heed that. And I was like, Lord, I knew there was a check. And so I already had decided I wasn't going to have her back. And then God affirmed it. And God affirmed it. And so the Holy Spirit will testify in the sense of vouch for, I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. If that makes sense. And so it happens all sorts of ways. Oftentimes, this, when, when he says the Spirit will be with you and will be in you, oftentimes the Lord will speak to me through other 
women and men that are full of the Holy Spirit. And I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, I told you that, and someone came up to me and had a word for me and said, I, I, just, I just sense this is what God's saying that I'm supposed to share with you. Take it for what it is. But it was exactly what I'd been praying for the night before. Same verbiage. And the Lord testified in my spirit. I knew that clicked. That was right. I've had, I, listen, I left a Bible study one time. Right out of college, I was single, and it was a men and women thing. And a guy follows me out and says, God told me we're supposed to date. Okay, testify. Back up. Beep, beep, beep. I knew, okay, that's, that's crazy, you know. No, we're not dating. Uh-uh. So, so both ways, the Lord, the Lord will, will um, give you those spirit checks and confirmations. Um, he's with us. And then in verse 13, we're, back, we're in John 16. Let's skip down. Because we read that, he says, it's for your advantage that you go away. But then Jesus goes on to say, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How many of us need a guide to get through life? For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. That's, that is um, proving again when it says another helper, different but of the same kind. And so the Holy Spirit is speaking to us that which comes from the Son and from the Father. And he will guide you into all truth. I, I remember when we left um, Sugarland and we moved to Friendswood where we've been now for about 13 years. I'd never heard of Friendswood. I, we were interviewing at a church in Northwest Houston and a church in Friendswood. And the church in Northwest Houston was pastored by a dear friend of mine from college. He was older than me, but he was somebody I totally loved and looked up to and would have loved to have served under him. My college roommate and her husband were members of that church, active members. And I thought, oh, that would be so fun. Let's go there. And God, the Holy Spirit, was guiding us to Friendswood. And it was undoubtedly clear. Both my husband and I knew it. And we were going, and it was not, um, I wasn't that excited, to be honest with you, because I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know anyone. And so we moved to Friendswood, and the Lord guided us there, and then he guided me while I was in Friendswood, and still does. But one of the ways he did it is I had stepped out of ministry. I'd been serving on staff at a church in women's ministry, stepped out of ministry for a year, and then they developed a position for me at church. But for a solid year, I spent that time, and the Lord just guided me and taught me through his word. And I had a mentor, a woman that I connected with, that met with me every single week for a solid year. And it was like spiritual boot camp for me. And it was, it was as if the Lord was like, okay, for you to go to the next level that I've already laid out for you, that I know you need to go deeper with me. You need to go way deeper with me. And so I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to guide you, and as a result, I'll be glorified. And so the Holy Spirit brought this woman to me and guided me for a solid year, a solid year. And I just started, I just devoured his word. I learned what forgiveness means. The forgiveness retreat in March comes from that year, 10, uh, 13 years ago, when this woman walked me through what forgiveness actually looks like from Scripture. Set me free. Set me free. And I have then gone, turned around and taught it. The Holy Spirit did that. He guided me. Boy, there are so many times He has guided me with my children, with my husband. And He will do the same for you. The Holy Spirit teaches us. 
He testifies about himself. He guides us and he glorifies himself. He glorifies himself. When I stand up here and teach, it's, it's so not my finite mind. It's so not my words. I don't, I'm not smart. I don't have it. But when I open the scripture and the Holy Spirit ordains it, scripture comes off the page and it just makes sense to me to know how to explain it. That's the Lord. And then when I share it and you come up and go, I feel like God was reading my mail. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not Laura. So don't put me on any pedestal. That's the Holy Spirit guiding me, teaching you, and glorifying Himself. He gets the glory. And so today, before we close, whatever situation you find yourself in where you need more hope, you need to know that you're not alone. Let me tell you something. You are not alone. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you, and He is in you if you are in Christ. To be in Christ, I want to remind you what I talked about last week. It means that you, as a grown woman, at some point in your life, you can look back and you know, that's when I decided to follow Jesus myself. That's when I decided to receive forgiveness for my sin, to put my trust in Him. I don't have all the answers. I don't know. It's not all figured out. But I know enough that I'm giving you my one and only life. I need your forgiveness for my sin, and I'm following you. That's what it means to be in Christ. And when that happens, if that's happened in your life, you have the Holy Spirit. It's not, I don't feel Him. It's you have Him. And as you grow, you're going to understand Him more. You're going to get to know Him more. You're going to experience His presence. And that feeling of aloneness, that freaked out, panicked anxiety of I don't know what to do, that subsides. That subsides. Because He's with me. I don't like this. This is hard. I wouldn't have chosen it, but I'm not alone. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. And that truth becomes reality in our lives. God's presence is with us and in us through the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, um, our hope is found in you. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that, that you have given us a helper that has been summoned to our aid. You've not left us as orphans, but Lord, you know better than we know how desperately we need the Holy Spirit. We need you. We need a guide to get through this life. We need a guide to see this life the way you see it. We need a guide to lead us into truth so that we know how to live. We understand what joy really means. Lord, thank you that you know that. Thank you that you have provided for us everything we need for life and godliness through the Holy Spirit. And so we ask today, Lord, would you just do something for these women? Would you, God, allow them to understand the Holy Spirit? Would you help us grow in intimacy with him? Lord, would you just help it make sense in our little sheep minds? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies, on your... Um